yo, relax your mind, let your conscience be free, and get down to the sounds of EPMD. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Oh, wow. Uh, this is Tyra Smith from EPMD. You got the chill. Letting you know Juan is on the right track, and he's going to do nothing but good from this point on in. Oh, All right? Appreciate that. Chill. All right, all right, Bonnie, Bonnie, my bad, Mr. Devante C. Cooper. <laughs> Keep it original, you know. <laughs> uh, no, I'm excited to do this one. This this one is real personal to me. Um, be a lot of looking in the mirror, a lot of reflecting. Um, uh, I just want to touch on a lot of topics that you know we never really talk about in our community, and you are vulnerable enough. Mm-hmm to publish them in a book for the whole world to hear. Like, that takes a lot of credit. But without further ado, um, I got my man, Bonnie, Bonnie Cooper here with this. Um, we're from the same neighborhood in Cleveland on Huff, which I feel that I'm biased, which is the greatest neighborhood ever created in the world. I'll say that wherever I go. But my man, Bonnie, how are you doing, sir, man? Thanks for joining us today. I appreciate you, Juan. Mr. Filler. Hey, man, you make me feel old, man. But before we take a step further, before we, we, we say anything, um, I'm going to turn the floor over to you because, you know, you're the guest, and I'm going to roll out the red carpet to you, brother. Uh, yeah. First and foremost, I'd like to say thank you. This is what the brotherhood should be about, uplifting each other and not tearing each other down. Uh, man, for you to let me on your platform and, you know, tell my truth, my experiences, um, it's a really, it's a blessing. And uh, this is a new wave, the whole podcast. And I think, I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to allow more people to be transparent about how they feel and what they've been through to get, just so people can get a better understanding and empathize with each other. But before we uh, start, I just want to open up with a, with a scripture. Uh, from Matthew, Matthew seven twenty four. It's uh Matthew seven twenty Matthew twenty four twenty seven. Therefore, everyone who hear these words of mine and put them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock, keyword foundation. Uh, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and, and it fell with a great crash. I say that because um, you gotta have a good foundation, solid foundation in your life. And um, God has been my foundation to get me this far. Um, I won't easily fold. And that's just keeping God as my foundation has just been my my ingredients. So you bring up foundation. And like I, like I told you before we started, right, bro, we're going to treat this conversation like we're sitting in the the gym on the corner of 59th and Huff, right? And it's just okay. gonna be it's just gonna be two guys talking, right? And like, yo, 
from from being in that in that situation and those things, how in the heck does someone like you end up where you're at right now? And just talk about that journey, bro, and going from that to still striving to try to get to where we're going, but that foundation wasn't always as solid as you want to speak on right now. Talk about that. You know, in, a, in an environment like that, you, you I'm the oldest of six from a single mother. Uh, she basically gave me a lot of freedom to figure things out on my own. You know, I, I used to, I'm like a sponge. I usually watch, pay attention. So I watch guys like you, uh, Cornelius, uh, who was enticed by the game of basketball. I wanted to be, you know, good like y'all. And I just kept watching y'all. And then as you know, I got introduced to mentors from the Salvation Army, uh, which you end up working at. And uh, thank God for them. They came into our lives, replaced our fathers because we, we were all basically fatherless. And um, they stepped in and played roles that they didn't even have to play. So I give credit to just being open and receptive to leadership and uh man sticking with the script whatever the you know they preach discipline uh ken and uh mr terrell they preach discipline and i started to like that i like the idea of discipline and winning once you listen and uh i've seen a lot of guys who shot away from the discipline and, and quit but I needed that. I needed, I, I need, I seeked male leadership and direction. I, I don't know what it was, but I craved male masculine leadership and I wanted to be that. So, so like, I'm not gonna let you off the hook that easy. Like, I, I'm, I'm gonna just, just keep it real. Like, coming, yes, from, that, coming from that environment, a uh, single parent home, being the oldest, and all the other things that are around us that we can get into. Typically, we shy away from like men telling us what to do. We always say, "You ain't my daddy. I don't gotta listen to you, and you don't know what you talk about because you know what's happening in the back in the court." You know what I'm saying? That's an easier thing to fall into. So, how does one pull towards those things? Like you're the first person I ever heard say that out loud that I was seeking um, guidance. Well, you know, I, I was looking at you. I was looking at Cornelius. I was looking at Theo. I was looking at those guys. Um, I had no self-esteem. I had no self. I was no self-awareness. Uh, I was always asking guys. My guy Jerry. I used to always second guess myself, asking him like, "Did I did I do this right? Did I do that right? How did I play?" I needed his valid. I needed validation from a male's perspective. I didn't want to ask mother. I didn't care. I just wanted it from the, the guys hmm. and I'm trusting them to be honest and real with me, but I, I don't know. It's just, no, that's real, bro. Like I'm, I'm respecting you saying this out loud publicly, but like, yeah, yeah. We're going to get into it, bro. So like, at what point did you realize, yo, man, I'm Bonnie and I realized I'm missing something or did you just stumble upon it and be like, yo, that's what I've been looking for my whole life. Like, which one was it? I think I was riding the wave that basketball was taking me on. You know, basketball, it, it blinded me from my, my present reality. Once I stepped on that court, it gave me something to, you know, forget me not having a father, forget, you know, my mother sad and, sh you know, we didn't have much, forget all that. It's time to ball. And that was my mindset. 
I wanted to be, be I wanted to be one of the best in a project. And I saw Cornelius. I, I was just striving for that. You know, my brother was out there encouraging me, passing me the ball. It was the sport that yeah. that gave me something to look for. And that's where I found that I had something. Yeah. I was that I had a little bit worth something. And God started picking me up to play on their team. And I'm like, okay, yeah. maybe you have something. Yeah. Getting yeah. better. And I started to ask Cornelius and and then he gave me the encouragement that I remember yesterday. I'll never forget. Uh, and it, I just ran with it, bro. I ran with it. So I'm going to have to, if we go be, if we go out like we sitting in the, the gym, you got to stop calling him Cornelius and start calling him State, right? All right. All right. Yeah, right. But you, Cornelius, all right. Like, no, this is beyond it. So that's the sex factor that I have for him, though. No, that's my guy. So, but I'm going to just act like we're chilling on it. Like, you know, the center closed at nine. Act like we're still sitting out in front at nine o'clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody wants to leave. So you took all those issues and you did something that people don't like to do. First, you want to talk about them. And then you want to say, hey, look at me. And then you put them in a book. Like, that's supposed to say, what made you write the book, bro? Well, when I got here, when I first moved to Texas, uh, you know, I had I had matured. I figured out who I was. I went. I joined the word church. Uh, and, you know, Pastor Vernon. He really listening to him. That male leadership again. He really helped me realize that, you know, that I that I'm a man. I, I am worth something. I have my own gifts. Um, and, and and modeled him. He was like the mirror. So I compared myself to him every time. Every chance I went to church. And, uh, you know, that that went a long way. And so I, I moved to Texas and I got isolated from the distractions, sitting in my apartment. And then uh, I met this guy named Anthony, my buddy Anthony, who I'm friends with. He was another encouragement. He started talking about just people, professional athletes who was serving their purpose in life. And he was always, he's a uh, preacher, self-mastery and purpose. And I started to think about myself. What do I have to offer to the world? Like, who am I? What do I have to offer? And just questions like that. And um, I said, I have my my story and my experience. Mm -hmm. And then I see the and I compared it all to the young guys and the issues that male and females that we're seeing today. Low self-esteem, the hating, the envy, the jealousy. And, and I didn't really like that. So I'm like, let me. If, and it's all it stems from single mother homes. Mm. Single mother homes, man. Uh, so I'm just like, you know, let me create some awareness by telling my story and being 100% honest about my feelings, my experiences, and things like that. Three so, years. So you, you were, when I was reading the book, and then you talked about this moment, right? So for everybody that don't know, on Sunday nights, in order to go play basketball, you had to go to church first, right? They used to, like, you know, say you got to come down in the basement, and this just wasn't no regular church. This was like, hey, some of these cats just came home. Some of these cats were struggling with addiction. Like, they partner with, like, you know, a rehabilitation center, but they would allow the people from the community, you got to come to church. And you were talking about this one time, like, you and your homies from the hood, y'all went there, and tip, and I know them too. Typically, 10 minutes in, they go to the bathroom for an hour, and church is only 45 minutes. But you, talk, you talked about this moment with my guy, Pastor Emmett, who's one of my favorite people of all mm -hmm. times. And 
something locked you in and you felt like it was just you and him there. And that scripture, I mean, that, that message was spoke right to you. Like, t- let's talk about that moment. Like, if you remember that. Yeah, I had to be like 14, man. I never told nobody this. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and my guys, Jerry, uh, just a lot of us would go sit in there and just wait. You know, Rail even come, came with us. Rail, Rail. <laughs> Shout out to Rail, man. Uh, Rail, Mike, all those guys. But, um, yeah, I'm sitting there. Everybody else is gone. And uh, Pastor Emmett opened up and started telling the story about how he neglected his family, um, got plugged, got drugged into the street life, and his wife and his daughter. And then everything just seemed to slow down for me. I'm in there by myself with my gym bag below my feet. I'm, I'm seeing him empathize with all the, uh, the ARC people and the guys from the Oriana house who just got out of jail and everybody's hugging and empathizing with each other. And I'm just sitting there like, wow, I'm completely forgetting about basketball. And um, that's when I knew that, you know, life was bigger than just me being thirsty to hoop. You know, and I said, and then comparing my life and, you know, the sadness that I saw in my mother, I saw in all these people sitting in the room and here I am, you know, like, wow. So I goes upstairs and continue to play basketball, but I never forgot about that moment that, uh, you know, people, people was really going through stuff out here, mm. you know, with drugs or with, uh, talk about low self-esteem, low self-worth, people needed hope. Yeah. And that's what Pastor Emmett was giving. So you said people were going through things. Some of them dudes 30, 40, 50 years old. But you really? four, you 14 and you going through stuff too that and I, I'll say this to you, I had no idea how complex the things that you were going through at the time. So biological disconnection, that's the name of your book right now, right? But that yeah. term in and of itself is like a whole threaded case study, bro. Like they could do a thesis statement on that. What the heck do, are you talking about? Biological disconnection. Let's talk about, um, you know, being disconnected from my biological father, the essence of him, you know, who, the person who's supposed to set the foundation for my life and somebody who was, I was always yearning for and seeking in other people. He was never there. That disconnection, uh, you know, it went far. It played a lot in how I felt about myself how I treated other people. And, uh, you know, I, in my opinion, no, for a fact, I know if it wasn't for really God and just other men, who knows where I would be. So uh, I connected to other things that was beneficial for me. Some young men don't connect to other things that's beneficial. So I'm I'm grateful to, you know, have the resources, yeah. the leaders that I had. So uh, we're not gonna gloss over this point, bro. Like. That's not. It's a lot of cats that's in our hoods that are is having the same moment, still at forty and haven't looked in the face. And so, reading on biological disconnection, it ain't that my mom had sex with a dude and he died in a car accident or he went off the war and I never seen him. You was actually coming in contact. You seen him like he was in the house with you at times, right? Like, talk about those layers, bro. Well, my dad. Uh... Well, my father, my father, stepfather, my father, he, him and my mother never really reconnected after I was like five or six, but he used to always want us to see his face. So he'll come to the projects and I would be avoided uh, just 
and hide behind my friends and go run to the basketball court. So it was like kind of shame because he was never there. I was embarrassed. Like, who are you? That same bitterness my mother had, that same bitterness my mother had, I had it towards my father too, so it rubbed off on me. Wait, wait, uh, keep going. What you mean by that? Like, hold on, sorry, my daughter wanted to come say hi. Uh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So wait, the the hate that your mom had for your dad, you said it started to rub off on you. Same spirit, same spirit my mother had, and me, a young like Bishop said uh, in a sermon a couple weeks ago last week. Boys, we mirror whatever we see, and I saw myself doing it to y'all and my friends. So I'm me growing up in a single mother house. That's what I did. The same way my mother felt about my dad, I inherited that too. So, and I held on that for, for a long time, uh, and that's unfortunate. But I eventually got over the hump. <laughs> was it like a coping mechanism? Like if I run away from, I don't got to deal with this, or you ain't want to get connected to him again and then don't see him for months. And we just didn't have nothing common. There was no foundation to keep us glued together. His, there was no words of encouragement when I did see him. Um, him and my brother had more in common because they were into the streets. Mm. But me, I was like, in his mind, like a soft crybaby. So yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he wasn't feeling me. I wasn't feeling me. Uh, but I knew it was deeper. When I got older to my 30s, I knew it was deeper. He had his own conditions. And and we eventually, in a book, I described how we had a chance, 2019 and 2018, how I got a chance to hear his perspective. And uh, it was good. The most needed therapy session I ever had. So. so, and you're 30 thinking about that. But how in the hell are we supposed to process that at 12, 13, 14, 15? It's like... This is my hero, and he don't want nothing to do with me. You know what I mean? Like, it's resentment. Like, everything that represents, that you represent, I hate it. Like, I don't know how to be vulnerable. So I turned to the streets. We know a lot of people that did that, right, bro? So how did you escape the street life? Because you had every excuse to run to the to the block. Why? How did, how did you not end up there, bro? You know, much respect to my guys, man, who really chose that route. I really, I think about them to this day, man. I, I, every last one of them, I see them on Instagram. I see them on social media. And I wish we could just call each other up and have these just converse, mature grown men conversations and for them to get a better perspective and for me to get something from them. But to answer your question, I think it was the game of basketball, man. It was something so strong that just had my mind in a trance that, I just wanted to be good. I just wanted to be great. I wasn't attracted to hanging out, you know, and, and selling stuff to people that wasn't beneficial for their lives. That that just wasn't my thing. I was me and Jerry wasn't like street. We wasn't really street. Yeah. We were just the oldest and we can relate to them, but I can relate to them a whole lot, but I just I it was it was cool to dribble the basketball, bro. When I saw you do it, you was at Rose. Then you went off. Uh, where did you go? That division was cool. Walsh, Walsh, Walsh. Yeah. You know, they played two sports. It, I don't know. It was more attractive to ball. Yeah. Here's here's what I think, and, and tell me if I'm crazy. And I and we're not the spokespeople for for her fifty nine, none of that. But I feel mm-hmm. like we, I feel like we we can be in this sense though. I feel like it's more. 
of us trapped up in the hood than it is of the quote unquote like gangsters. Now we know some of the toughest street dudes in the world from down there, but at the end of the day, they don't really want to be that. Like I feel like the outlet, like they didn't know how to process what they were feeling. Like we didn't know how to process. I feel like survivors guilt sometimes. Like man, I was lucky that I didn't end up in the streets. Do you ever have that like survivors guilt? Like damn, I wish the whole hood could have made a different choice. I do, man. I do. When I used to drop off to college, when I used to go come back from go back to the go back to 59th in the summers when I had to go back and live back down there from college, I would be almost in Painesville and I would say, man, I wonder what it looked like if my guys came up here because it was a completely different shift of environments. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. I yeah. Came, I was I was just there 40 minutes away now. I'm in this luscious green, everything trimmed and but I just think overall, we, we made up a different DNAs, man. Um, some people were receptive to positive and some, I don't know. I need them. I don't know, man. It, it's, I wish in a perfect world, those good, because they, they're really smart, bro. They really got gifts and talents and from musicians to business skills, uh, those guys are really smarter than me, you know, wiser than me too. Bro, but I, I think, I don't think it's emotional intelligence, Juan. I think it's it's stuff that we don't think about, you know, how we respond to positive and like and get it like this. And we're like soldiers. You tell us to do something. OK, I'm going to get it done. It's just a makeup. I don't know. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hold on. Like before we pivot, like it's it's a, because if if you go through the whole side of the block where you lived and go down the curve like think of all those people that were talking about how many fathers was in those homes bro like that's a, like I would, you know I would, you know better I would, than me i would say 90 to 95 percent of us was was fatherless and those who did have their fathers their fathers wasn't actively involved because i saw them do just crazy stuff i mean it's just their fathers didn't have the solutions or or the uh, the best idea of how to be a father. So he was just like he was just there. He was present, but he wasn't instilling values and stuff like that in the son. So it's almost like you don't have one at all. Yeah. So you you brought up this thing too, bro, and I was like, what the hell is he talking about? Sidekick versus star and roll. You said for a while you was comfortable with being like the Robin all the time, the Robin all the time to the back. That's a great example, bro. Right. So, like, first of all, tell me, like, I know what sidekick versus star role mean, but what the heck does that mean in your perspective? Like, what what did you mean by that? Uh, being a sidekick, I was always a follower. Uh, instead of being my own man and saying, okay, this is what I bring to the table, I was always depending on who can I latch on to instead of where am I going from by myself? Where am I to get up? What am I about to do? How am I how am I about to produce something? So I, I was just always a follower. Uh, I had to break out of that. You know, I always and even as even in sports, I never started. I always came off the bench. I was good with my role. I always wanted to play, but I never thought of myself as good enough to be the lead, the leader. And I think that's where the lack of father, you know, the the lack where I needed a father to tell me that, you know, 
you are a leader, you are this, you are that, you do bring this to the table, you can do the, that, that inspiration that get my motor going. Because my daddy told me that I can do it. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to process it. And there's nothing you can tell me to go against that. So I would always do man. And I think grown men being that follower and settling into that following role, you know, instead of being like that, uh, that thinking for themselves, we, we need to think for ourselves. That's easy to say, bro. But we think for ourselves. But are we taught to think it all the way through? Like in the hood, it's like, yo, I need to take this ten dollars, turn it into twenty because we need some food in the house. But the what happens after that part? I mean, the cognitive ways in the hood. It was like, yo, we just gotta get it how we give. So I'm not making excuses, but I got I, I want to have authentic conversation. And just we know people that did bad things who aren't bad people. You know what I'm saying? Like, I always try to, like, let's separate the two. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I mean? Well, you, know, you know, one thing, one that I want to bring to your attention, without the one thing without fathers, man, it's uh, when you're around just a group of, of guys who don't have fathers sing, raising single mother homes, and you're in that environment, you're constantly comparing yourself. So when you compare yourself to each other, you want to do better than him. You want to do better. No, I don't care if it's uh, sacrificing my freedom. I just my my objective is to do better than him and to look good. Mm. Uh, there is no there is no order. There is no structure really. And mm. um, I don't. My mindset is this: What's up with the brotherhood? What's wrong with the brother? Why you got to compare yourself to me? I even see it to this day, man. The, com- the comparison is the worst thing a person could do. It's it's even in the Bible, man. Like it's unwise to compare yourself with someone. Uh, we all have our own gifts. We all have our own purpose. But that's what was happening a lot of times in those environments, man. Where do you get that stuff from? Why do why why do you want to compare myself? I just want to be good. I have my own. I, I was good at playing defense. I love that. I got engulfed the defense. I didn't care about what you was doing. I want to pass you the ball so you can score, but I know what I can do. I, I I think, bro, it's because it's presented to us in a way that there's only room for one person. This here's here's why I'm gonna say this. Think wow. about think about like scarcity mindset. Yeah, think about this, bro. If you go in to anybody's crib, that's you know established or you watch MTV Cribs or behind the scenes with NBA player, what are all the movies that we glorify? Like Goodfellas, Scarface, you know, Tony, all those posters are on the wall, right? That guy wants to be the guy. Think of American Gangster. Like these are all things, uh, belly, you know, things that these are all like scriptures that we live by in the hood. And it's always that it has to be that one guy. And we all know how those movies end, first of all. But, bro, it's enough to go around for everybody. Uh, you're successful, Bonnie, from the hood. And what you do is nothing remotely close to what I do, right? But I'm rooting for you from the sideline. Like, it's been 10 years since I've seen you in person. I saw you had a book come out, and I was like, I need to talk to my brother because the world needs to know that this guy is from the same block that I'm from, and this is how we do. You know what I mean? Like I wanted the world to know that, but it's presented to us in a way that it only could be one. But that's my bad for being on the soapbox. That's my, what I mean. that was that was really good, man. And 
You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Uh, that quote that you actually was talking about, it's in chapter two. I says, I got it from Lou Williams. Uh, the six man, three times six man. He said, nobody has offered me a starting role, so I perfected the one that I have. So whatever it was, you know, that the coaches saw in me, my job was to perfect that. I don't want to be nobody else. My greatest asset was just being me in that environment in 59th. And, you know, I'm grateful for those guys. They 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 accepted me for who I was, but I didn't accept myself, man. I didn't never oh, wow. was good enough. Didn't know what I had to bring to the table. So then that bothered me all through high school. So you oh. could see that I had potential, but it was the it was the battling on the court and then battling in, in the mind that was always in, in my way. So wow, and back to biological disconnection. You thinking like having a father during that time would have helped you navigate those waters a lot easier, is what you're saying? I know that for a fact. Mm. Uh, mm. You know, my mother, I for some reason, kids are different. Me, I I crave the masculine leadership i i crave that that direction i'm like a soldier you tell me something to do i want to do it if i have no instructions and i'm like damn so some guys might respond well to to feminine i don't know but we've just made up different but i need it i needed my father so um, i found a way to get it i found a way to get that through coaches through watching my put it together you put it together yeah, yeah. So i was gonna say that and that was my next point i was going with bro so um, so, so I feel like you grow up in the hood and you're on this path, but people have to like roadblocks have to come in to keep guiding you to stay on a straight path. Because as a youngster, sometimes you want to fall off the rails. So I saw somebody, the person that wrote the forward for you, my man Ken, right? So huge. And you don't think I, I pay attention to this, but it was times like my man will always come in the hood. Pack y'all in the car. I had no idea where y'all used to go. Like, and if we're being authentic, we're on Huff. Who is this white guy coming to take all these these black kids somewhere? And at, at a young age, that kind of shifted my perspective. Like, you know, people just sometimes want to help. So, why did you let Karen write the that part of the book for you, or did you dedicate it? Which part was it? Juan, thank you for asking that question, man. Yeah, that's a great question. It means a lot to me. That's why I can I can never be racist because of guys like Ken and because just I got a lot of people from the opposite race did a lot for me, man. I don't know why they did. I don't know what they seen in us, but they did. God allowed me to experience that. And mm. that's going to stay with me. But Ken, I let him write the forward because and they say when you when you write a book and you, somebody who's writing the forward is either somebody's famous. They wrote a book. Ken is famous for me. Mm. Ken, he fed us. He created the basketball team. He, uh, man, he collaborated with Coach. They believed in us. We won. And it was like a fraternity for boys, man. Some people fell off. I wasn't going nowhere because I needed that. That's what you needed at that time, bro. And, and, and up until high school, when I – Decided I'm going to play high school basketball. They supported me and I was there, but they played roles that they didn't even have to play. You know, without that team, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have knew myself as a basketball player or a person I've developed. They helped with the developmental process. So you said you're the oldest of six, right? Yes, sir. Oldest of six, no dad. Um, 
mom had issues at times too. How much pressure was that for Bonnie, the, the adolescent though? Like you, you got that's like three things you navigating through at once, bro. All while trying to find yourself. Like how in the hell did you do that? Bro, I think I was uh, I had I had my fair share of girlfriends coming up too, man. I'm not gonna ignore that, you know. So that that took a lot of my time and a lot of negative thoughts. You know, I always had a, a woman there, a young lady there, uh, you know, pouring into me, whether it was affection, whether it was instilling in my confidence. So, you know, the young ladies, they took my mind off of stuff like that. They were there. So I like you. I had a, I was a boyfriend too. All that, all that stuff that you said. Oh. Well, mom gave me mom gave me just freedom. And, oh, it was a mess. Well, I'm gonna add this part in. You were a smooth guy because I had no idea you was getting it like that. But whatever though, I you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for real though, like if that's the worst thing you got in was girlfriends at the time. Like you were a fortunate cat. Like and. I don't want to overlook like the accomplishments. You may not be on the best sellers list right now, but you definitely need to go on the Hall of Fame for Huff, East High, like Lake Erie. Like the fact that you navigated through life to this point, bro. When if I would have, if I'd have been, yo, what's up with Bonnie? Oh, he just did three to ten. You'd be like, oh, I kind of understand what happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, but for you to be you're in a whole new state, you know, that's not where you're from. Like you, you're, you're making your way. Like that's, that's like commendable. So I want, I want the young people that I work with, the people from our hood to like, yo, we have to big up these kind of, kind of stories, bro. It'd be nice in a perfect world. You could appreciate somebody where you come from and is excellent. Yeah. But the spirit, the spirit of envious and bitterness is so real, man. It's a spirit. It's literally the spirit. How can I congratulate you when I'm not happy with me? I can't even look in the mirror and be honest with myself and yeah. my situation. So if my thing is not to get glory from man, it's to really, you know, please, like, uh, it's to really please God and to acknowledge His name in my book and 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 just play my part with the healing process of our people. So. No matter who respect me or who don't, I just want to be a part of the solution to what's going on and what I see. You know, you got young girls posting whatever they want on Instagram. You got young boys, you know, think it's cool to have babies and leave the woman. So we got we got issues, man. Uh, yeah. you know, the incarceration rates. Uh, I got this paper right here. So let me get into this from the census.gov. You know, black people are 13.4% of the U.S. population. So I'm just going to highlight the uh, absence of black fathers. So say you got 7% females, you got 6% males. And um, where it says uh, in 2017, there were about 728,000 African-American incarcerated in federal, state, and, and local prisons. So take that 6% man, Juan. So you got all, now you're down to three. If half of us locked up, you're down to three. Let's go a little bit deeper. So say you got men on drugs. Then you got men that are homeless. Uh, then you got uh, those dealing with severe mental and emotional disorders. And then you got those who went over to the LGBT community uh, not operate in their full masculine level. So I'm just trying to help 
with my little part, maybe plant a seed to be a part of the solution while I'm here, while I'm still living. We got issues, man. <laughs> we do have issues, bro. But here's why I said what I said about congratulating you because think about 14-year-old Bonnie. What representation of success did you have in front of you? It was the Yo. Yeah, yeah, but we were going through it at the same time. I'm, we're the same age pretty much, right? So here's what I'm saying. like, We need more of your story being told, and you're humble and all that. So it's my job to be like, yo, check out my man, because you, you're not supposed to brag. But when I see my man doing good things, I'm allowed to congratulate you publicly without looking like uh, a bandwagoner. It's because... That 14-year-old Bonnie, if he saw a guy from his hood make it out without, like, selling 100 kilos, now those numbers from the census who we work heavily closely with, now that 700000 is down to 300000 Bonnie, because instead of him going to taking that, that kilo, he went and started an ice cream shop. Like, my man Pun. Like, you see him selling ices out there, right? I see him on online Instagram. I kind of lost touch, but I got to look for him again. He's selling ICs now. He wasn't always selling ICs, but that's a success story. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so we have to, to see. Hey, Brian Bruce said, what's up, Bonnie? Long time no see, bro. Man, that's your boy. Yeah. But, How you yeah. doing, bro? <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. Like, success stories that we have to tell, bro, because the streets is undefeated, man. Like, Always will be. But we have to work five times as hard just to tell this story. Like, of course, it's a Saturday. It's 80 degrees outside. Who wants to be here talking about growing up without a father or battling drugs or having to find these things? But these are the hard conversations that you are tasked with that responsibility. Not much is given, much is required. That's all in the good book and everything, Bonnie. Like, so... We have to work 10 times as hard to tell that 14-year-old Bonnie, instead of going down and hit the dude over the head, hit 10 more push-ups, and it gets greater later. You want to know how I know? Because look at me. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what you got to say. And we yeah. need each other in this fight. When you get tired, pass it over mm-hmm. to me. I pass it over to B. Pass it over to Wayne. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that's 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 what, like, I feel like our mission is. Like, so that's what this platform is about, bro. I appreciate the platform and, and one personally, brother, if people want it, they can get it. The information is out there, but your life will actually speak for itself. Yeah, like, it look is. at you, bro. look at you. You're, you're a father. You're a father of two now. Two girls. Woo. Two girls and you married. You got a Woo. wife. You know, look, I saw, I was watching your wife's pod, you on your wife podcast with a group of women. Yeah. It was beautiful, man. How you was collaborating like that. Yeah. That solid male figure in the back. That's if, if you don't want to aspire for that, then go your own way. You know what I'm saying? But this it's working. But you know? bro, but bro, how many of those husband and wife with kids did we see in the hood? Zero. So we have to tell those stories. Like this is our job. Like I always tell this story and Wayne Smith, right? You know Wayne Smith. One of my favorite yeah. people in the world. 63rd, as y'all call him. Remember, they built that dope crib on the corner of 63rd and Huff, right? Yeah. That's where me and my family used to play 
me, me and my friends used to play any boss at, right? But when he built that house, I hated what he represented, right? Because yeah. whoever this rich person is that built the house and now we can't play softball anymore. But what really happened was I became friends with them and that was the first time in my life I went into a brand new house. So it changed my perspective that, yo, I could be from the hood and build the hood up. And that was 25 years ago. I had a birthday a couple months ago, Wayne and his, his fiance at my house. So those shifts, it, and Wayne hate when I tell that story. Look, you saw what he said, here we go. He hates when I tell that story. Yeah, hey, shout out to Wayne. He yeah. let me in the house a couple times too. Uh, rest in peace to his pops. Yeah. But think about that. You on, in the projects on 59th, you take a 30-second walk and you're into a $300,000 house. Tell me that didn't help shift your your brain. Like, yo, it's more to life than what I'm just saying. No? Uh, when I got older enough to understand, like I said, I was so drowned in the basketball game. But yeah. man, it was always cool. And when he let me in the house, that did add to my inspiration. It, it really did. And, and, and I, I, Go ahead. Go ahead, bro. Go ahead. Go ahead. And him, him being, he understood us too, man. Wayne understood us because it's like he had one foot in and one foot out. But yeah. uh, you know, I always had respect for what they had going on over there. And Wayne had his dad in the house, and but we talked to Wayne, maybe a different perspective. But he had a man walking around, and it may have been tough love, but it was there. So these are the fireside conversations that we're required to have, bro. Like. Tell your story. The world needs to know how Bonnie navigated through this stuff, man. And I'm just really excited. And look, you are a published author, G. Like, people from Istanbul can go on Amazon.com and type in biological disconnection. And maybe if it's just two pages of your life that somebody's going to jump off the building, they could be like, yo, I remember reading this book. I don't know how I ended up on my desk. That's how we shift the narrative, bro. I still don't know how to feel about it, bro. I still feel like I'm on a mission, man. Uh, I said a lot of stuff that goes on in my mind behind these walls, because I'm an introspective person. I like to think, I like to be real with myself. Um, I like like-minded men like this, but I can barely find them. You know, it's hard to find them. Everybody, everybody joining groups, brother. Nobody wants to stand alone and be and and, and represent something different. So I don't know. No. Huh? Go ahead, bro. Go ahead. What you about to say? I was about to get my questions going. Because I oh, got go ahead. Some- I, look, look, I'm gonna sit back and I'm gonna be interviewed. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Look, I'm gonna <laughs> get comfortable. I'm in my the recliner now. Go ahead. What was your experience working at the South in that environment, man? That was the the greatest. Let's think about this. That's the place I grew up in. I learned how to shoot a jump shot. Um, my first public speaking thing was at church on a Sunday. Um, my first leadership role in the organization was at the Salvation Army. So think about that. I get a scholarship for playing basketball. People pay me to come give speeches, and people ask me about leadership. All those things were created at the Salvation Army. I learned how to swim. I learned how to skate. You know, so everything that I have in my life it was fine-tuned there. And then to be able to lead kids from our community, I know their parents and all that, man, 
you couldn't write a better job description from a kid for a kid from the hood, bro. Like, and just just having professional athletes come down there, people from across the world to come. That's bro. That's like bringing them to your crib. Think about it. the center was all our house. Like, no matter what was going on, you brought up like you had a new chick. You wanted everybody to see. You brought her through the hood on the other yeah. day. So that if that answers your question, that was the greatest thing I ever been through in my life. I remember seeing your dad like glimpses of him when he used to come with the hat on, slim guy. Yep, yep. Wow, how was that, man? How how was your relationship with him? So interesting. So my mom and my dad were probably never together for. I never knew them being together, right? But my mom and dad to this day are like best friends, but. At like 21, I realized that I had some resentment towards my father. And it was because in my mind, he left us and went and started a family with another person. I understand how relationships work. People just don't work out. But at the time, it's like, yo, this dude left us. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you, you had that resentment. But he was always at every one of my games, like all that kind of stuff. But waking up on Saturday to go watch cartoons with my dad and mom in the house, Never had that. So that's why it's so important for me to, you know, be a family man because you know what it's like. Um, it's, it's things that he struggled with that I wish, you know, he didn't. So it's like it's complicated, like great guy, you know, and I just wish, you know, things would not be better. But, you know, when you look back at your your, your childhood growing up, you'd be like, damn, I wish X, Y, Z happened. You know what I'm saying? And then, like in March, he had three heart attacks. Uh, one in front of me, like, like they had to revive him. Like he died, like right there in front of me. You know what I'm saying? So, it's it's been weird, bro. If I'm from being all the way like just transparent with you, man. He still he's still here with us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fortunately, yeah, yep. Next one, brother. Uh, you're a father. You being a father now. What elements to fatherhood? Uh, you bring to the table that you may or may not have received. Yep. Um, being present, like, um, that's half the battle, like, just standing in there, like, because it's my first time doing it. Like, there's no, like, script. Like, I got two kids. My first daughter is different from the second, but just sticking in there, being present, um, not wanting to miss anything, um, not wanting to let them down. You know, like, that's the worst thing I could ever do is, like, man, my kids needed me to, to do something, and I couldn't be there. And I just know how much fun it is to – because I'm growing with my kids. Like, you know, I had my first kid at 30. You know what I'm saying? That's pretty old from where we come from. So, But having more, like, you know – Thoughtfulness about things, man. It was, it was probably probably better. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's a beautiful thing. Like I say, I knew you before you was a dad. And, no, <laughs> what he's really saying is he knew the wad that used to import the women with before yeah, the yeah. green cards was um before it was needed. That's what he said, bro. Like, <laughs> it's the worst kept secret. But go ahead. All right. <laughs> Moving along, what did the game of basketball do for you growing up in the inner city? Um, it gave me everything, bro. Um, 
every friend that I have, I could trace it back to basketball, bro. Like you and I connected because of basketball. Yeah. Brian Bruce, my best friend in the world. We connected at a college man at a program where we spent the night at college. He was dribbling the ball all night. I ain't getting no sleep. I wanted to fight him. The guy I was with when I met my wife is because we used to hoop at the center. You know what I'm saying? Like everything yeah. I could do, I could trace it back. They gave me the job at the center because I was a star basketball player. And they, you know what I'm saying? Like, so the game of basketball gave me everything, but it also took everything away. So before you smile, like, hear, you got to hear me out. Bas- basketball took everything away from me because junior year in college is when I realized that was the end of, like, the train. Like, you know you have hoop dreams from age six. So that, so that have that realization that this was it, you're going to a state of depression. Who want to talk about that? Nobody want to talk about that. Like, yo, I'm 35, and what we talked about before it we went on air, when was the last time you hooped, right? Yeah. I'm 35. People still see me and ask me, am I still hooping? I ain't played competitive in 15 years. You know what I'm saying? So having to come to realization to be okay with one individual and for people to understand that, I mean, maybe it was just me internally thinking that people all only thought I was a basketball person. But if that makes any sense, bro, like it gave me everything. It's like a delicate subject, anyone. It, it, it used to be, but now, like, I talk about anything, like, you know, nah, because you can't tell me I'm for one thing about my mom's six houses and a Maybach, and, you know, we about to, you know, be a lottery pick. Then you'd be like, yo, I'm 5'11", and um, the NBA Combine Scouts has not showed up on campus once looking for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to have that real conversation, bro. Yeah, to be honest with you. Did that, did that make any sense, or just sound like I'm, I'm like, being an old grumpy guy? No, nah, it makes sense, man. It makes sense. Mm. Looking on the larger scale, you know, different levels of competition, and yeah. I, it just, it just makes a lot of sense, man. Yeah. You were very good, though, man. You you were really the spin move. And I, I, you said I had the spin move in the behind the back. It only worked because I was slow and everybody else was going fast. Like, it wasn't that good. Like, everybody else was just going fast and I was just going in slow motion, man. No, but you perfect what you had. But, I'm not a published author, though, bro. You the one got the book. I don't have had a manuscript for the book for about 10 years, and I have yet to put it out. The book is called Crack Baby. It's about everything that we grew up in the hood is like residual effects of what crack did. Like, I'm a crack baby. My parents didn't use drugs, but everything around me. Was. So you're mo- you motivated me to, to brush that off and get back in touch with the publisher, bro. I, I got that from like three or four people, bro. And I think we need more black authors from where we from. I think, you know, we we can utilize our time doing that. We can't do nothing else. Just sit down and write your feelings or how you feel on paper. Pray about it. And then don't worry about how it's going to get processed. Don't Because that's what happened to me. I was just sitting here in my third or fourth apartment in Fort Worth, Texas. I'm just writing. Next, you know, three years go by. 
And as you know, I meet somebody at LA Fitness, an older guy who turns out to be my mentor. He writes a book. Now he introduced me to his publisher. And I'm, my head is spinning like, wow, this is really about to happen. We pay the fees and we get the editing. We get, uh, it was amazing, man. So a lot of times we let the money and the resources discourage us from following up, following through, but God will work out the rest. Mm. He'll work out the rest, man. It's, it's, it's crazy. That's crazy that that happened. And now I'm on Amazon looking at biological disconnection, a young man's journey from brokenness to healing, acceptance, forgiveness, redemption, peace, power, and purpose. So everybody go buy that damn book because Bonnie, y'all heard what he just said. It came a long way, bro. Look at it. It's right there. It's right there. It's right there. It's 10 chapters. Me from uh, you know, my upbringing, my passions, my mistakes, relationships, uh, my spiritual journey, uh, just for self reflection, good for meeting good friendships in college, uh, just just the journey. You know, if you got young boys without a father or young girls without a father, mother, whatever. There's some type of dysfunction in their families. They can get something from the book. Uh, I just, I was very passionate about my story and helping others. I don't care how much money you make. It's not about the money. It's really about bringing awareness to our people. And that goes into the next question line. Uh-huh. What do you think is needed in the Afri- African Amer- African-American community? Um... A whole lot of stuff, right? But the very, 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 very first thing I would say is transparency. And the reason I start with transparency is we got to get honest with the powers that be that they have to understand, like, the conditions that we were set in, it set us back. All right, but we're not going to make excuses. Then we got to be honest with each other, like, Vanya, this stuff is going to be hard, but we're going to have to, you know, keep it together. And we got to be honest that you have to check me and I have to be open to being checked. Like, so before we can talk about like buying back the block and all that kind of stuff, like transparency, like finally you hurt my feelings or these conditions hurt. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, but it's so complex, but we have to be transparent and open because we can make it out of, effed up situations yeah we know that like but think about how great we could be because transparency would bring like we could be free like mentally you know emotionally like you know think about when you go to a therapist and then couples therapy then you could be extremely honest with your partner and you know it's like freedom like well you can't heal what you never reveal right like you know the great philosopher Sean Carter said that you never heal what you never reveal. So I feel like transparency, that's a long answer to say we got to get honest. That's all I mean. Like, you know what I mean? I think, uh, and that's really good. Transparency is really good. Being honest with self and in, uh, in your own reality. But I also think, uh, I think we need more masculine figures, man. I think we need more fathers. Like you said, you can, blame the criminal justice system. You can blame, keep pointing the finger blaming, but I'm a solution oriented thinker and uh, your life speaks for itself too. And I think it's guys like us 
to really take pride in the role, the masculine role. Like here's here's some more statistics. Statistics, according to the Washington Examiner, you have birth to women that are single and unmarried. Black women leading the way. You got seventy-seven percent of black women that are having children unmarried and just single. Like that's a problem. That's not cool. You know that. That's we need to encourage men to be more solid men to to stay, man, moving forward and stay and make better decisions, picking a woman, woman, picking the man you deal with. Accountability is key, man. Uh, listen, 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 stay there. Hold on. Let's go. <laughs> listen, I'm 35. I don't know if my man Brian Bruce is still here. He's 30 something. We're 30 plus years old and we still talk about issues that we have with our fathers from being seven years old. And if we're going to be transparent, pops, dad, whoever y'all out there, man, try one more time to stay there for your kids because, yeah, they get old and have their own kids, and some of them pass those same judgments on to their kids. So dig your feet down there. Like, let's make, you know, being a dad cool, but if we're being transparent, there's a lot of reasons why fathers were stripped out of the home, the crack epidemic, all those things. There ain't no one like magic pill that's gonna take it, but this is complex, bro. Real quick, we're gonna hold Brian Bruce to this. When I put a picture of your book up, this is what he said. You see what he said? He said, I'm gonna buy it. Yeah. Look, you can buy it on Amazon. Look, it's right there. <laughs> It'll be to your house. You can even get the digital copy too. Like it, you can re watch it on your Kindle or your your iPad. Yeah, my bad. I was just selling it for you. My Brian, yeah, Brian, I appreciate your support, brother. And uh, he's still he's in education, right? He's teaching. He's I teacher. remember he's a teacher. He coached track basketball. He's an avid fisher now. He he's got bit by the fishing bug. He got a good spirit too, Juan. He yeah. got a good spirit too. We, hey, you got, we you gotta hear we, his story too. Yeah. I, I don't want to put him on blast, but before he graduated 12th grade, he went to like 14 schools and then graduated top five in our class. Like things that he, that he navigated through. So, no. Nah. But go ahead. I'm, I'm being interviewed. Let me shut up. Go ahead. No, you're good, man. Uh, but, yeah, we, we, just, we just need fathers to, to, lay, to lay the foundation, bro. We need fathers to say, tell the sons, no, that's not cool to have – multiple women. That's not cool to feel validated by material things like jewelry and money. It's not cool, you know, to hang around this type of, and then we need to tell the women, you know, it's, it's just not, it's not cool to post that type of photo online so everybody can see, you know, that's your value. Now, now you're giving it away for free and your value is going all the way down to the floor. Mm. But the, because without a father, you see they posting this stuff because they're screaming out for help. Why? You got two daughters. You know, you you constantly, if you're the validation for your daughters, they don't have no reason to seek it out online just to anybody. And these guys lost. These guys raised by single mothers. You know, they have the ideology of the female. They're not going to like you out there, Vani. You talking too much truth. They're not going to like you, bro. But, 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 you know, me and your life speak for itself. That's why I can't even barely find solid male friends to, to build a motherhood is because the guys are conditioned in a way that they can't show each other love. They can't, you can't even wish me well, but I can wish you well when I see 
you can't receive or give the encouragement because you have this comparison lines. I don't know, the journey, bro. I got so much going up on here. I try not to rent and keep it controlled. No, it's a safe space, bro. It's a safe space. Like, and I always, I always get emails when I'm done doing these shows about, like, man, I wish I would ask him this. So I'm going to start firing you those, those things that people will be saying me. No, because why does negativity always get the platform? So we're allowed to have these transparent conversations and be authentic. Like, okay, yeah, it's not nice to have a lot of women. But when I was young, it was really fun. In the day one. It was a lot of fun, bro. I, transparency. It was a lot of fun. But Yeah, it for me. Yeah. No, yeah. But I talked to my friends about it all the time. I heard a lot of people along the way doing that. You know, it's like that. Just because they were okay with me being a dirtbag don't mean I should have took advantage of them being a dirtbag. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I didn't, you know, it was fun. Like, you couldn't tell me having four girlfriends at the same time wasn't bad. Just I'm being authentic. You say, are we going to change the community? I'm being authentic. But, yes, sir. I, you know, as a father, as a husband, as a son, we're looking at the end of results, bro. I love it when you're speaking like that. You figured yes. it out. You know, wow. you, you gave up the you gave up the life. I'm 35 too. I just turned 35 in May, and um, I would say at 32 or 33 is when I said, "Okay, I'm gonna make a one commitment." You know, I'm gonna co- commit myself to this one woman. I only get 24 hours a day. I'm trying to find my purpose. I don't have enough. I don't have time to deal with three women because that's. They take a lot of resources. They take a lot of time. And, a lot of know. resources, definitely, bro. <laughs> so even even though it may not worked out, you know, once I got myself together, even though me and the young lady probably wasn't compatible, I still had the, the right intentions in the frame of mind. Like, okay, let's be purpose-driven. Let's date for the purpose. Let's, oh. you know, let's not waste time and resources anymore because I'll be 40. I'll be 40 in five years. I need something to show for it. Bro, you have a lot to show for it, and I'm glad you keep taking the steps in the right direction because, like I said, it would have been okay if you to just quit at 14 because reading the book and, like, damn, child services, all this, all this, all this. Yo, I'm not giving it away, but this is a good-ass book. Y'all need to go read it, like, and I'm not just saying it because it's my man because you know how they say if you can't say amen, say ouch? A lot of the stuff that I was reading, I was like, ouch, because you were writing this for me at, at a time. Like, at some point, like, your transparency and your authenticity, it helped me. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I'm glad to have this conversation with you, bro. And Huff creates some of the greatest things walking this planet Earth. I'm trying to tell you, like, you know, that's, I'm look, no matter what room I go in, anybody tell you, they say, hey, where you from? I could be in a Fortune 500. Yeah, I grew up on Huff. Oh, I'm like, no, I'm from 59th, 60th at Huff. Like, it's okay. Like, uh, we got to be proud to say that. So, hell yeah. I'm proud, of, I'm proud of you too, brother. You know, you're a good dad. You, LT, Octavia, you know LT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, the guys that are good. Dad. I know some guys at work, you know, that are good. Good solid man, and it's a pleasure to be in the presence of guys like you, man. I always had respect for you since day one, man. Like your spirit and serving at the South. Yeah. Just, just a good uh 
good example to see in the community. Look, bro, it's working. Somebody just bought your book, bro. Brittany, yeah. that's, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but I think I know. That's Wayne, girl, right? Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Look, man, circulate the black dollar, bro. That's what it's about, man. And I appreciate you, Brittany. When one person from our hood make it, we got a champion because the way news spread when somebody get knocked by the feds, the whole hood know about it. But how I many people knew my man Vonnie wrote a book, bro? Like the the kid from the broken home wrote a damn book, dog. And I'm not the smartest. I'm not the smartest apple in the classroom, man. I'm just honest with myself. Um, I believe the Holy Spirit. You know, when I pray, He helped me with the creativity and making it flow how it needed to flow. I believe that um, God had a lot of helping collaborate with it on this, and I and now that it's out. I'm I'm partly satisfied. I, you know I am. I feel like I'm critical. I feel like I can do better with certain things, but that's just me. But I'll be adding God to everything that I'm involved with, man. Uh, and that's that's the whole nother conversation about our young men. A lot of them are godless. A lot of them don't have a foundation, and that's what we need. If the world is your foundation, you're gonna be blown away like sand. You're not gonna stand strong on nothing. So, but I don't. You know, that's not my job to try to. You know converts to my I don't want to I'm just telling you what works for me. And that's all we can do, bro. Like no, this this is like exactly what's supposed to happen. The world stopped. There's a pandemic. My man releases a book and we can celebrate that like as a family. Like, you know Bonnie Bonnie is telling Huff's story to the world. That's what you're doing right now. Think about this. And, and this is a rant. And anybody that's listening, I'm sorry. Nipsey Hussle had the whole world wearing clothes that said Crenshaw. Like, you realize we all repping his block? Like, that's Crenshaw. And why can't we all rep Bonnie's brand about Huff and telling that story to the world? Like, you know, it's possible. Like, you're doing it. Like, I am going to drive it home until nobody else is listening, bro. Like, that's big time because you're telling our story, Chief. That's our story that you just told. Well, where did you get that spirit from, brother? Because a lot of people don't do that, you know? Man, listen, man. Back- it, breaks me, it breaks me down because we don't have a lot of guys who, who want to pour into the brotherhood like that. And that's yeah. why they solo because it's like, you know, I'm trying to keep my spirit up. I ain't trying to get disappointed yeah, by, my yeah. own, by my own, by my own. You know, I ain't. Yeah. But it happens every trip because we have to show them it's possible, bro. Like what I just did. We've been talking for an hour and twelve and ten minutes, oh. <laughs> bro. Nothing I just did damn my life at all. Nothing I did just said why is less than because he's proud of his brother. We have to show that that's possible. Nothing I just did that said Bonnie is the bigger success story from Huff because he wrote a book and I didn't. No, Bonnie is showing that there are a lot of complex things that come out the hood and we could do a whole bunch of stuff. Young people that are listening who think the streets is the only way. Bonnie just told you he had 48 girlfriends, but he was considered a, a square, a lame in the hood. Why was the nerd? But y'all saw how I did it. We were just showing y'all that there is more than one way to skin a cat. So nothing that I just said or nothing I just did for this last hour made me look less than at all. 
And I'm just proud of you, bro. Like, I swear to you, like, this this is with all honesty, like. Appreciate you, brother. No, nah, man, you don't have to say that, man. What you did, Sean. Do you have, uh, I want to go into, I uh, got a scripture about uh, basically hope, man. It's yeah. in Romans. Hope is in, uh, it's in Romans 15, 1 through 4. I wanted to get this down. It says, uh, we who are strong ought to bear the fallings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we, we might have hope. Oh. What do you think about hope as far as with the, the black man? Um, sometimes hope can be paralyzing because that's all they hold on to. Um, I could be hopeful for stuff, but there's also a requirement on my part to do stuff, man. Yes. Yeah. And then you said, you know, it's not your responsibility to talk about like what you're doing and stuff. Like, you know, how you mentioned about how God, you know, he has to go and do the work. It's a, I go back to community. Like it's not one person's job. Like you're giving me hope, Bonnie, that the things that we thought were impossible to do from the hood look like. But we have to keep telling the story of hope because we've been silent since you left the the hood. No one has heard from you, Bonnie. But you've been away. You've been away working on yourself though, and that's been great. So now, that you're, huh? I had to create, I had to find myself, I had, I had to, what was already inside of me, I had to figure it out myself because I can't, re, I can't rely on somebody else to tell me because if I, if I had to wait, I'd be waiting forever. Right. So, no, no, no. Right, bro. That's what I'm saying. Like, so now we need you in the fight more than ever. It, it's through the book, but you know, the book is just a small part of how you're telling your story, but that's the vehicle. So now it's like, all right, Bonnie. This, this is the platform right here. Your platform, bro, yeah. for our neighborhood, this yeah. could be it. This could like, definitely be it, man. Like, I want to talk to Octavia. You know, I want to talk to him. Like, the uh, 360 yeah. that he's making, he's getting married. Uh, and got a son. Like, I want to tell those stories. And it don't make us corny. Like, yo, we still, like, from the hood. Like, we could talk that talk. Like, yo, it is what it is. Like, but, you know. Life on the other side is a lot better. Go ahead, bro. They, we're doing what a lot of guys really want to do for real, man. They want to be understood. Everybody want to be understood. They want to be related to, but we join groups to to feel safe. But when it comes to telling your individual testimony, a lot of people, that's there's a fear that comes with that. Me, I, I've gave up that fear a long time ago. This is who I am. Did my life speak for itself? And this is what I'm bringing to the table. But a lot of guys wish they can do that, do do what we're doing, bro. And they should be encouraged to do so. They really should. Yeah, and, and it's okay if if they don't, right? Because I learn a lot of times more people are listening and paying attention to your story than you think. Because people will come back and regurgitate your life word for word, and you had no idea that they were watching. So just keep on keeping on, bro. And it's it's weird to explain to folks who didn't grow up 
there, like how tight knit that place. It's a weird kind of place, man. And if you ain't been there in 20 years, but if you pop up there tomorrow, it's like you was just there yesterday, bro. And I I love it. And I just I just want to keep telling our stories, like like what Yomi's doing on the DJ side, like what what KY used to come in there boxing with Godfather. Now he's a restaurant tour. Like he he owns the five restaurants and the hot DJ, how Montana was in the Olympics and now a professional boxer. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like those are our stories that if you can make it here, you can really make it anywhere. They give New York a lot of credit. Well, but that's true. Cleveland, Cleveland gives you certain abilities and uh, to survive and to compete anywhere. It's when I got here, I won't say it was easier. I would just say if I didn't have. It, I had. I used less energy to to excel. Uh, when I was there, it's just like you always. I want to go. You you need more awareness. Uh, if I go back to Cleveland, I'm sure I'll have to adjust. But here, uh, it's gotten better. Life is better. But yeah. I, I definitely want better for my guys back home, and even for my own family. And they're still making their own decisions. And um, but Bro. I'm trying to master what I got here so I can be able to help them. Bro, you're a published author. You're going to be a New York bestseller. Like, speaking, like, yo, like, Yo, Bonnie used to come to the gym and work out with no basketball at times, bro. Like, he was that dedicated to his craft. So I know he's going to be that dedicated to this journey in life. Like, I've seen it firsthand, man. I'm just extremely, extremely, extremely proud that you did it, bro. And I get to tell my kids, like, yo, I really know this guy. Like, yo, he's really, like, walked the same streets that I did. Yo, like, you don't want to – because sometimes dad not cool to their kids. All right, look at Mr. Bonnie right there. Like he, you know what I'm saying? Like, take a look at that, man. So just thank you for taking this time, man. Excuse me. I appreciate it. I just my last point. I don't know if you're, you know, this is my last point. I I think it was it's important for us to find our purpose and leave something behind because we don't have that much time to live. We got we got more older days than we got younger days. So uh leave something behind for your kids. Uh, teach them good morals and values and, and not sway with the world, you know, and love each other. You know, it's, it's about love at the end of the day. Uh, thank you for those who supported the book. Juan, thank you for having me on the show, brother. Uh, it's my first one. Uh, it's needed a little bit of practice, but. Yeah, you're a natural, bro. You're a natural. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I got the book up on the screen, right? So yes, tell us how exactly we can get it. Like I said, Amazon, but you know, give your 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 elevator speech of how they can get it, bro. Uh, you can go on Amazon.com. Uh, you can go on my website, uh, DevonteMCooper.com. Uh, there's links to my Facebook bio, my Instagram, uh, Therapy underscore DC. Uh, Thank you for those who support the book. I encourage you to write your own book. Like I said, leave something behind. Uh, why are you here? You're giving this time that God has given you to live. We can be gone tomorrow. And uh, take personal responsibility for your own choices and decisions. You know, no more blaming and no more pointing the finger. You know, start with you, quiet the noise and get to know yourself 
and dedicate to change. So look, bro, I just thought of this right now. Before the summer's over, we're gonna do this this chat with people from our hood. So, and it don't all gotta be on the straight and narrow people. We want, let's get like, you get two people, I'll get two people, and we're gonna have this conversation with them as well. So, I, I always liked your brother. He was always an interesting cat to me. Like, uh, always an interesting cat to me. You, you smiling because you know that I'm telling the truth. Like, <laughs> but no, I'm just saying, like anybody we can think of, man. And because I want to continue to tell our stories, and they can see, like, you know, when all, all those things that y'all say that we are, because. We, we may not have come for greatness, but we are great and we're creating and moving forward, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, so thanks again, man. This is this has been the quickest hour and a half that I've ever had with anybody. And we we stay in touch, man. Yes, sir, brother. I definitely got you in mind, man. Um do it again and definitely stay in touch. And I got your book up on the screen again, because we go the printer gonna be tired of um, printing more copies of this joint, man. So, man, Bonnie, biological disconnection. Please go and hit that ISBN barcode and make it roll. All right, man. Be safe, man. I'll be in touch, man. And thanks for your time, man. Thank you, man. Text me your cash out too, brother. Uh, I don't need no parts of that. It's um, donate to like a, a a food center or something, man. All right, bro. Peace. All right, brother. Love. Love, love you too, man. Yep. Yes, sir.